There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions, or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. So you're entitled to your value system. I'm entitled to mine. And my value system does not include alcoholism or doesn't include abuse or doesn't include, you know, whatever it is your value system has. And it's also, I had somebody say to me once, because I'm, I love, and I'm in, I have unconditional love, they said, well, I would never want you on um, a jury for a murderer. And I said, okay, now wait a minute. We have rules and laws here, and if it is proven that the person has broken the law, then they must accept the consequences that society has dictated in that particular culture for right. the result of that particular behavior. But that doesn't mean I have to hate this person. That doesn't mean that I have – actually, I have compassion for them because they and, – and I believe um, you were talking about love and that if somebody is a bully, it means that their family didn't love them enough. Do you see what I mean? So mm-hmm. there yep. is a backstory for everyone. Did you ever read the book um, – uh, let's see, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People yes. by Covey. Yep. Yeah. Do you remember the story of him being on the bus with the man who had two young boys? And he was sitting on the bus, and the boys were running up and down and screaming and interfering with everybody, and Covey was sitting there saying, what is the matter with this dude? You know, why isn't he taking care of his children? He shouldn't allow them to da 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 He gets in this conversation with the man, finds out he just got on the bus from the hospital where his wife had just died. Oh, God. And he just found out that he is a single father for the two children, and he's zoned. 
he's in he's in a different he's in a completely different world. Well, then Covey saw him differently and had compassion for him. But my question is, why do we have to have the backstory? Why do we have to hear what's causing this and then make a judgment about, well, that's a worthy cause for letting the kids run around in the bus? No, you see, that's where we get into condemnation again. And if we would recognize that there is a backstory in everyone's life and that the antidote to fear, which is the cause of all anger and angst and murder and rape and, you know, mm-hmm. everything else, if the antidote to fear is love. And if we if we will project that, if we will generate that, rather than reacting to the fear, if we respond with love, we will minimize the the negative energy and the negative action that happens. The book is called Finding Unconditional Love, A Little Peace, P-E-A-C-E at a Time, Dr. Jean Sanner, S-A-N-N-E-R. Dr. Santa, thanks for your time today. It was a wonderful conversation. Well, God bless you, and thank you for having me on. Our pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So what we'll do here is we'll edit the first three minutes into the next hour because we can't really cut off any part of that conversation. So if you guys want to I just want to talk to you about... So go until 30 then? Uh, if you want to just do that, that's fine. Yeah, right? We can do that. Yeah, we, can just go, we can just go to 30. I thought she was very... She's a very nice person. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that she was able to just talk to strangers about her life and what she does and who she loves and who loves her. And I, I don't know, she, she's a very bright woman, didn't you think? Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people um, find it easier to talk to strangers. You think that, that's open. what I was going to ask you. That's a, that's a very good point. I'm very open to talk about things when it comes to uh, things that I've experienced in my life, especially I was in an abusive relationship. Uh, in high school. That's why don't you tell me about it? You did know about that. <laughs> and uh, not when she was in high school. Oh, yeah, well. it was when I was in high school. Uh, my last two years, uh, my junior and senior year, and I'm very open about it. And I have no, um, you know, because some people they're very closed and they just don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if my story can help somebody, um, knowing that there is light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to stuff like that, because when you're in that yeah, situation. Yeah. You feel like there's no hope. There's nothing, you know, you're stuck. Um, so I, I let people know that there is hope and you can get to that other side. You just got to be willing to take that leap. So do you have any, you don't have any brothers? No, I just have a younger sister. And your dad was where? Uh, he he was just unaware of it. Oh, why didn't you tell your father? I was too scared to tell anybody at why? the time. Uh, repercussions. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Yeah, see, that, I think it, it was made very, very clear in my family, and it's mm-hmm. very, very clear in my married family, that if anybody would have ever done that to Andy or Alex, uh, you won't see him around here no more, yeah, as they when, said in The Godfather. When my dad found out about it, he oh, was God. not happy. Um, but no, I mean, anything in life, If you, I think, I think people need to be more open with each other, because then that opens things up for discussing, whether it's politics, Mm -hmm. family issues, anything of that nature, uh, personal experiences, then people start having an understanding of each other versus just hating somebody because they don't understand them. Right. So if people are more open about things, you know, maybe that might uh, help people come together more. Why do you you think this guy abused you? um, Because I think uh, his father was abusive towards his mother. Oh, so he saw it at home. I don't know if his dad was physically abusive towards his mom, but he was emotionally abusive. And that's Mm -hmm. how it started off with me, with him. And then it turned into physical abuse. So, and that's how it usually starts. And it's hard because everyone's like, well, why did you stay with him for two years? Well, especially when, if people, people that know me well, I'm a fixer. I like to fix things, problems, and I felt like I could fix them that, you know, and I truly did love him and I felt like he was just broken and I had to be there because I was the only one who loved him. So I kind of had that, that, um, maternal instinct with him. Like I have to be here for him because he has nobody else. So where's he now? I have no idea. I think he's still living with his mom. Where? 
um, Bloomington. Where no, I, no I mean the address. No, <laughs> I don't even remember his address. Uh-huh. No, Here I really we don't. Go. I don't remember I don't his address. I don't even think I, I ever really knew his house number. I know what street he lives on, but uh, I don't know. And I just hope to God that he changed his ways so other women that he dated after me didn't go through what I went through. Yeah. So was was his father present in, in the home? Kind of. I mean, he was, but his parents, they, they were still married, but he had a, a girlfriend. Oh, God. His mom just, she. I loved his mom. She was such a sweet person, and she was a hard worker, and mm-hmm. she did everything she could under the sun for her kids. Right. And um, so I don't know why he went the way he did both him and his sister were very disrespectful and i think they got that from their father so their their dad was just a pain in the ass yeah pretty much he's now gone i think he he's deceased now but uh somebody kill him i don't know did you kill him no yeah you got that look <laughs> in her eye i saw it. Like, wait a minute she i don't know what out. you're talking about no uh, i think he had some uh health issues and booze uh, related uh, he was a drinker. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so. Can't control himself. Yeah, but I'm I'm very open, especially um, now that I have stepdaughters. Um, I'm very open with my experience because I don't want them to fall, fall in that same no, pattern. God. Because teenage, especially teenage girls, are very insecure. And I think that's um, one of the reasons why I fell into that relationship. Yeah, I don't really see you and Dave giving a negative uh, relationship message to to your kids. No, Dave. I, I don't mean, see that. Um, if we're if we're having a spat about anything, we try and you know deal with it without the kids around, and we yeah, talk through idea. it. We don't yell and scream and throw things at each other, and the kids do that to each other. <laughs> we have to. We're usually spending most of our times breaking their fights up than. <laughs> dealing with our own issues so yeah i suppose yeah well that's true you're breaking up the fights <laughs> got, between your we got children six kids in the house they're yeah, always it's really great oh i'm always getting text messages max is being a pain and he slapped his sister and blah blah, blah. i'm just yeah. like oh god just stop so stop. andy what do you think about about relationships i mean you you're you're obviously someone now you really think the world of it's not a great feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, isn't it? Because I don't think you can know what it feels like unless you have been in a great relationship like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think some people in their whole lives will never be in a relationship like that, which is really sad to me. Mm-hmm. Probably. It's well, just I, never going to happen. And I, I found that with Dave. I mean, we had such a strong connection, and we just really feel like we're best friends. Where did and, you meet him? Uh, I... I happened upon his radio show one night when I worked nights, and oh, I was yeah. like, I've never heard anything like this. And then uh, we became friends on Facebook, mm-hmm. and we started just a friendship, you know, very, um, you know, back and forth on Facebook, or I'd go to, like, the State Fair and see him and stuff like that, and we'd just been friends. And That I, was Darkness Radio you are talking about? Yeah, when he was on Darkness Radio. Yeah, I used to listen to his show every every uh, night I stayed up that late. Yeah, he, you know, it was it was a great show, and I was like, wow. And he was so funny and just intriguing and intelligent. I'm like, mm-hmm. I've never heard anything like this. So, um, yeah, we just, a friendship grew, and I went to events and stuff. And then I went through my divorce. And, you know, not to, I know this sounds bad, but he's been through divorce. <laughs> and uh, so I was asking advice, like, what do we, what do, we do? Yeah. And what should I do and things like that. And it just kind of grew from there. And he's always been a type of person I've always wanted to be with. I love to laugh. I love humor. Right. He's very good at that. Yeah. And we just laugh all the time. And I've never felt happier in my whole life. So I have a so. question for you. Mm-hmm. And not to dwell on it. I just, I've never been in that situation. I've never been divorced in my life. Mm-hmm. What is that? Does that feel really, really bad? It does. But... Depending on the reason why you're getting divorced. Yeah, I mean, if um, they had, if they did something horrible, then it can't be that. Difficult. My ex-husband, he wasn't a bad guy. I met, yeah, I met him. He seemed like a He's bad a guy. He's a great dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he just, uh, he was kind of selfish. Oh really? Yeah, and um, you know, I would try and tell him things like, "Hey, 
I'm having a problem with this. How can we fix it? And right. we immediately we go in defense mode. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. why are you always ragging? You know that I'm like, no, I'm trying to discuss. <laughs> why are you always ragging on him? <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'd trying like to, to let that. you know how I feel, and he was just right. so not in the relationship. Mm-hmm. I felt like we were more roommates. Oh, okay. Than okay. a couple, and um, you know, he was just very uninvolved. With things I wanted to do with the kids and, you know, like we'd want to, I'd say, hey, let's go to the zoo today. Well, I don't like the zoo. Well, it's not really about you. It's about (laughs) taking the kids, you know, it was little things like that. And it just built up and his communication skills weren't the greatest. He didn't really have a sense of humor. I would, you know, find something funny. He would just kind of give me a blank look. (laughs) Well, and I'm like, you know, and it got to the point where we would, we couldn't even discuss anything. That's too bad. So I just, it was just a relationship. I'm like, I, not, I'm not happy. And I even told him, I said, look, you deserve to be with someone that makes you happy. I make you miserable. Yeah. You make me miserable. This isn't working anymore. Yeah. I just don't, yeah. And we've tried marriage counseling. Tough. It is tough, especially really when you tough. have kids. But it's like, do you stay together and just be miserable for the sake no. of the kids? No. Or do you separate and be happier and show the kids that sometimes, yeah, you do need to separate to make yourself happy? Because if mm-hmm. you're happy, everybody around you is going to be happy. So, Well, not necessarily. <laughs> I try. I you try. try. You try. You yeah. try. I, I have my days. <laughs> it's pretty fascinating, though, going through all these different things. Because like I said, as far I've never been engaged to anybody but Catherine. I've never mm-hmm. married anybody but Catherine. Uh, we've been together for 37 years. We've been married for 34 years. We don't have many. I mean... We, we had one major argument. It was funny because when Andy was like 12 years old, he said, remember that time you and mom almost got divorced? It's like, you mean the one time we argued and <laughs> yeah. you guys overheard it? Do you mean then? I mean, she she gets mad at me and, and stuff. It's not that she doesn't get mad at me, but we don't spend a whole lot of time arguing. Yeah, as long as you go to bed with not being angry at each other. Yeah. It's a good day. Yeah, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, there I go to bed four hours before she does. So, <laughs> so she has four more hours to to ruminate, to sizzle, <laughs> exactly. and just oh, Tom. <laughs> that is that, that is a weird marriage, by the way. When when the husband goes to bed at eight o'clock, the wife goes to bed at midnight. The husband gets up at three or four in the morning, and the wife gets up at seven or eight in the morning. That's how it was for me for a long yeah, time with yeah. my ex. I mean, I worked nights. I wasn't getting home till three, four o'clock in the morning. Right. And then he would go go to work, leave at 5.30, and I would have to get up, get the kids off to school, and then I would co- try and take a nap. So I was home during the day by myself. Yeah. I, well, that's exactly it, because mm-hmm. she's, she's home a lot. Uh, by, I, I have no idea where she is right now, which is kind of frightening. I wish I knew where she was. Yeah, That'd be good. I'll, I'll give her a call during the break and see what the situation is. But, yeah, I, we didn't want to. We, we continued the into the first section of the second hour because I think Dr. Sander was making some really good points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like talking to her a lot. She was very enthusiastic about the whole situation, and I like people who are into being interviewed. I like that a lot, as a matter of fact. So that's why we we'll, we will separate those things, and it'll all work out in the end. But thank you again to Dr. Gene Sander, and we will be back with part two of our two, Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been to lose weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I'm down over 77 pounds and have one more round to go to shed the rest of my unwanted pounds. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did by attending the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It is on Monday, August 20th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. That extra baggage melts away really fast. And one of the best parts is it's just so easy. I am never, ever hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has educated me on clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and they can help you, too. Register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on August 20th. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. If you are a homeowner, you do not want to miss this free event. We are hosting a free seller workshop where we are going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. Plus, we are going to share our proven systems that will instantly put the control back in your corner. Guarantee yourself the results you deserve when it comes time to sell your house. Our exclusive workshop will be sold out shortly, so call now to secure your free ticket by calling 763-401-SOLD 
or by visiting sellerworkshop.com. This free seller workshop will be held the week of August 6th. The last workshop sold out very fast, so hurry and call Chris Lindahl Real Estate today to save your free ticket. So call now, 763-401-SOLD or visit sellerworkshop.com for times, locations, and to secure your free ticket. Okay, you know how it works. Uh, I don't promote people that aren't the real deal or don't do the right thing. This is not a bare bones situation at all. And the best part is it's free. We are recording. What are you mournfully sad again? Mm -hmm. She always has her mournfully sad music that she plays every day. This is actually a really good song. Lugubrious. It's called Bittersweet Symphony. Oh, I like that song. Yeah, it's a... Who's that? Who does that again? The Verb. The Verb, verb, yeah. And they were big in the... Was it late 90s, early 2000s? Mm, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was a good song. It's very... um, It's not sad. It's just kind of... Bittersweet? Yeah, it's kind of a stress reliever song. Like, if I needed to calm down, I would have this going. Are you going to play Send Me an Angel next hour? (laughs) I love that song, actually. Send Me an Angel. Who does that? Oh, God. I don't remember. Send Me an Angel. Who does that song, Send Me an Angel? Right now. Scorpions. No. This says Scorpions. There's no way Scorpions did Send Me an Angel. Send me an angel, Scorpions song. Unless it's a different send me an angel. It must be a. Di- oh, are Here's you- the Scorpions song, so let's see how that is. Let's skip ahead. It sounds. This voice from deep in danger. I think this is something else. You're thinking more of that doo wop song, yeah. right? Send me an angel. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it also could be Send me real life. Is it real life? It might be real life. I think it is. Yeah, but the, yeah. I love that song. Here we go. Here's the real life version. Okay. It's very it 80s. Is real life. Joe from Louisville. Oh, but listen to the chorus. The chorus is beautiful. Gotta be lucky and die. Here it comes. Yeah, this is the one I know. And all those 80s socks remind me of going yeah. back to the roller rink. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine that. They all sound very similar. You know, I like that song. Yeah, a lot. I grew up in Bloomington. We had Saints Roller Rink just around the block from me. Yeah, where's that guy who lived that you were uh, dating in Bloomington? What's Not his far address? from there. Really? I honestly, I don't know. I'm going rem- to track it down sooner or later. <laughs> To be dragged out of your house there, pal. Oh, I, I gave him a piece of my mind uh, when we broke up. You want me to give you a piece of his mind? <laughs> I, literally, I literally, like, screamed at him for three hours straight. Everything that I had Good. kept inside just, I Any vomited out. Any <laughs> touches guy that touches a woman or beats up on little kids, I cannot stand. I yeah. Can't, ugh. You know. Not to say you can't put your kid in a headlock, but well, it, tu- to it toughens. What is that hanging down from your mic? That's a real good look. Ah, oh, it's lint. It looks like right. pocket lint. Cassie had a booger hanging from her <laughs> mic. <laughs> it's really nice. It's pocket lint. What's uh, oh, pocket lint? Yeah, well, apparent, I don't know how pocket lint got on my microphone. Not on either. <laughs> on Sunday night, 18-year-old Nia Wilson and her sister became the victims of what authorities say was an unprovoked, unwarranted, vicious attack. The sisters were transferring trains at an Oakland, California. Um, Bay Area Rapid Transit, that BART, the BART system, Bay Area Rapid Transit Station. When they were suddenly attacked by a man with a knife, Wilson died on the platform and her sister was injured. Uh, shortly after the stabbing, Wilson's picture was all over the news sites, TV stations, and social media. Many of these photos were obtained from her personal Facebook page, where she shared pictures including selfies and group shots with friends. But one photo, aired by TV station KTVU, has sparked backlash and reignited concerns about the biased portrayal of minorities, particularly African-Americans, by news outlets. Uh, during a noon broadcast Monday, KTVU shared a picture of Wilson in which she's seen holding what appears to be a gun. The outcry was instant, with many pointing out that there were several other photos the station could have used. Why would they show a picture of her with a gun? I don't know. 
But look, if you don't think that all people suffer from that, white men right now are demonized in America. So let's not get carried away with it's just one group of yeah, people really. that, gets, that, that gets portrayed poorly. I mean, white men right now are, are the thing, everything that's wrong with the world, it's white men's fault. Not white people, but white men. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that they should have never shown this woman who was slain holding a gun. I just don't understand why they would do that. Um, Twitter users also shared photos that suggested uh, the gun was not an actual weapon, but a cell phone case designed to look like a gun. Well, that's a stupid thing to have. Uh, not a good thing to have. I know. I I've seen those. And oh, it's you like, have? Yeah. They, I've seen pictures of them. I'm like, why would you do that? Why not would you smart. have a cell yeah, phone not a good case? Because if you pull that out, especially around a cop, mm-hmm. they're going to think it looks like a gun. If you have a gun, it should be a gun. Yeah. That's my feeling. It should not be a cell phone case, it should be a gun. But, you know, it's her business. I Obviously, she doesn't deserve any backlash from it. The criticism was intensified by the fact that police repeatedly confirmed that Wilson and her sister did not appear to do anything to provoke the attack. John Lee Cowell, a paroled felon from whom police described, uh, a felon whom police described as violent, was arrested Monday, has been charged with murder and attempted murder. What a shocker, one person tweeted, at KTVU ran their live story, a TV story using a photo of hashtag Nia Wilson holding a gun in order to characterize her as violent. Now, did they? Is there proof that they actually did it for that reason? Here's what I really hate. When people jump to conclusions, oh, the reason you did that was because, how do you know? You and I don't have the same life experiences. I don't think it was a good idea to show it, but do you think any... Do you think the person knew it was a cell phone case? I don't know. I doubt it. Here's what I don't understand. I live my life. I've learned things. You've lived your life. You've learned things. They're not always going to mesh. It, it, your belief in this, my disbelief in that, you know, all those things. You can't think that your idea, what some, someone did or said, is the only way that it's that it's seen by everybody else and that person therefore should be should be either demonized or deified mm-hmm. that's not how life is we have different experiences with different things well especially if somebody pulls out a cell phone case that looks like a gun i'm immediately going to think that's a gun mm-hmm. so well, i, would think I have so, a yeah. knife i'm going to stab you with it I've, I've said this many times before and it's true i grew up in an inner city neighborhood Lots of black people lived in my neighborhood. Matter of fact, one of the one part of the entire neighborhood it was all black, right? Well, I have never even had an argument with a black person, much less been in a fight or been threatened by a black person, or I didn't threaten a black person. Why is that? Do you think? It's not that they tried or I tried. It just didn't happen. I, I've never even argued with a black person. Well, you're not a confrontational person. Well, some I mean, people I am. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's because they've done something to you. Yeah, that's different, right. You know, right. if they've, you know, backstabbed you in some way. But, you know, you're, if some, you know, if a black person comes up to you and starts yelling at you for that no would be reason, different. you'd yeah, just be like, be well, I don't whatever. Um. I mean, the only time, and it wasn't me, it was a friend of mine. We were downtown one time, and my friend was standing there, and a, and a young black man came over and started threatening him. Mm-hmm. And I stepped in and said, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't threaten my friend. Why don't we just go away? We'll go our way. You go yours, and that'll be good. And he said, yeah, okay. And it's not because he was black. No, It God, was because no. if he was being a jerk, it has nothing to do with race. No, it has nothing to do, and it always has to do with race with, with some people now. Everything's see, about race. Now, in this day and age, if somebody had a cell phone camera mm-hmm. and was filming you do that, that would be the headline for that video. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. A racist white man is telling them. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. So it's like. And all I said to him was, don't do that. I'll just, my friend and I will go one way and you go your way. And he said, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't go, ah, F you. He just went, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the one time I could consider something negative said to me by a black person was what, in first grade when that black kid called me white trash. Yeah. But that wasn't really, it wasn't even in anger. It was just something he had heard his friends or his parents or somebody say. Mm-hmm. There's no five-year-old kid in the world comes up with white trash. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not going to invent that. I, I don't, I've never seen, first of all, Here's the thing about black people that I love as seen by white people. Mm-hmm. White people, and maybe not now, but it was most of my life, 
oh, black people like to fight. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. You know, I mean, black people are all really tough, or black people are dangerous. I never, they're, they were the same as everybody else where I grew up. Although, I would say one thing, and I think it's a good thing in the black culture, that they're very passionate people. And they have a yeah t- yeah, and I think not I, as passionate as Italians, but you know. <laughs> well, no, I mean they're just very um, they're very vibrant and vocal yeah. and stuff like that. So that probably carries over into you know because people when they're passionate they have a tendency to have they're passionate and they can be full of anger. I mean that can take on many forms. Mm, yeah, whether it's overly loving someone or <laughs> angry. So I, I think they're just very. You know, and it's part of their culture. It has nothing to do with their skin color. It's just right. the culture of which they live in. So Yeah, I, I just, again, if, if, if white people really want to do and it's what, you know, Andy was talking about earlier, it, you don't really understand anything about people unless you've lived around them. So how are you all of a sudden an expert on what black people want? Mm-hmm. Or how black people are treated, or how Asians are treated, or or Spanish people are treated, or whatever. You don't know. You've never lived with them. Yeah, right? I, I had we had a confrontation um, with some African American girls during high school. Um, some somebody said somebody said the, the N word on the bus, and it wasn't us, but somebody pointed to say it was us, and it was oh, like, oh yeah, you know, there's a uh, shock. Yeah, so when we got off the bus. Uh, these two girls uh, jumped my friend and started beating her up right in front of the school, right off the bus. So I had to help break that up, and we ended up in the principal's office. And they're like, well, if somebody thinks you're racist, we we might have to expel you. And I'm like, what? I said, I'm not racist. What are you saying? This is what I'm saying. It's because uh, these girls were being really loud on the bus, and somebody said, shut up, N-word. Mm-hmm. And I right, don't. It right. wasn't from us. And and the the principal's like, well, it's in black people's culture to be naturally loud. <laughs> he didn't really say yes, that. Yes, he did. See that? Oh. There it is. My, yeah, he, my dogs true. bark. You can't yell at my dog said, for barking. What are you talking about? It was just being Isn't disrespectful on the bus, being you know loud yeah. because they were jumping around on the bus, running up and down the aisles, and you know and. Uh, the bus driver was telling the kids to sit down and be quiet right. because it was very distracting for the driver. It had nothing to do with the race. Your principal said that, that black people are loud. It's in and their culture th- to be It's in their culture to be naturally loud. loud. They think that they're being okay. sensitive when they're they saying do. that. Look, but what they're really saying is black people can't help but being loud. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're patronizing people uh, who don't wish to be patronized. Yeah, he was basically saying that... Uh, in black people's culture, they can't behave. <laughs> yep, yes, he is. God, I'm like, no, it's, it's very simple. They just had to follow the rules on the bus. I don't know who I don't even know if that word was said because I didn't hear it. No, I know it didn't come out of mine or my friend's mouth. Again, if you're talking about Philip or JB or Tevin, that's right. <laughs> they can't behave. But that's not a black thing. It's just those three. I, 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 that's the part that I can't stand is these white college people think they have all the answers for black people and you're not helping, you're making it worse mm-hmm. because you're patronizing people because you think you have all the answers. Oh, and I have the knowledge. I can help them rise up. Why don't you leave them alone? How about that? That'd be good. Yeah, and to me it was very, I mean, it was saying that black people can't um, control function in society. Right. That's what they said. That's exactly what they said. Mm-hmm. And it's like how they can't function. How you know why aren't this, these girls getting in trouble for physically assaulting my friend for right. no reason? They didn't get suspended or nothing. Right. Because I'm well, assuming the school may have been afraid that the race card would have been played in that. See, case. when you see your, some people see it as your special. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've always seen that as is, well, you can't help yourself, so I need to help you. And enabling I've bad always, behavior. Yeah, absolutely. I've always seen it as, well, I'll handle this because I'm smarter than you or I'm better than you, and, and you're, you know, you're, you're special. It's very patronizing, it's I think. It's hideous. Yeah. Absolutely hideous. On Monday evening, longtime KTVU anchor Frank Somerville posted a lengthy <laughs> apology to his Facebook page. In 2013, the station also came under fire for botching the names of Asiana Airlines pilots. Mm-hmm. Asiana? Asiana, yeah. A-S-I-A-N-A, Asiana. Hmm. 
Uh, we never should uh, have used that picture, Somerville wrote. It was a huge mistake on our part. Uh, well, good. At least he admits it, which is a good thing. You know, it's, it is what it is. But um, So, wait, what is this? What is what? What is this? What is the news? The picture that the, the the young woman who was killed, they showed a picture of her holding what looked like a gun, and it turned out to be a cell phone case. What does that have to do with Asiana Airlines? I don't know. They apparently botched that, too, so I don't know what that <laughs> all means. I don't know what any of it means. I don't get it. They forgot to edit. I guess. <laughs> you know, you know it is what it is. Fake I news. I mean, these stories just, honestly, it just annoy the hell out of me. Look. Because you went to college and you're a white person, you don't, you're not an expert on what black people need. You're not oh, black, so KTVU you don't know. KTVU was the place that uh, did some Ting Wong and We Too Low. They did some Ting Wong <laughs> and We Too Low? Yeah. Oh, Oops. my God. Where is this? This is KTVU, the same place. In, in Oakland, California. Uh, yeah, I guess. Are they out of their minds? Well... Apparently the producer was fired for that, so, I mean, they're gone. All right, we'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard, here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority's also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand-new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers, come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. There it is. There it is. Send me an angel, ladies and gentlemen. Former President Donald Trump aide and apprentice contestant Omarosa Manigault Newman uh, has a memoir coming out that her publisher calls explosive and jaw-dropping. The book is called Unhinged. Gallery Books announced Thursday that it will be released on August 14th. Manigault, is it Manigault or Manigault? I don't know. I don't either. I don't know who this I'm gonna person go with Manigault. is. No, you know who Omarosa is. No. She was on The Apprentice and all that. Uh, Manigault Newman was a Trump ally who joined his administration in January 2017 as a White House communications director. Uh, and then it goes on and on about her opinion about this, that, and the other thing. Here's the problem that I have with this story and why I read this story. Um, the rare black woman in Trump's administration, they had to see, they oh had God. to spin the yeah. news. Every time. The rare black woman in Trump's administration, she has likened her departure to being freed from a plantation. Oh, my God. Now, Ms. Manigo Newman, several black people were killed on plantations. They were raped. They were abused. They were beaten. They were killed. I really wish walking away from the White House was not being compared to a plantation because it doesn't do any service to those who actually suffered on plantations. Mm-hmm. That's the problem I have with that. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I, uh, I just don't say things like that. You have no idea what it was like to be on a plantation. Yes, you are a black woman, but you have no idea. Like, I have no idea what it was like. Therefore, I wouldn't say things like, you know, when I left KQ this morning, it was like walking off a plantation. <laughs> yeah. Come on. When are we going to stop doing that? Well, not to mention, wouldn't a plantation have a lot of black people? Not just one. Well, see, that's a very so, good point. That's another great point. It's even wrong in that regard. 
Oh, God. I hope I can actually get at this. I, see, they keep putting up these headlines, and then you try to read them. Um, <laughs> these are test, uh, test answers that young children, uh-huh. there are questions on tests, they answer them. What are three things you want to do in the future? Number one, get a girlfriend. Number two, kiss her. And number three, rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's every child's that. goal. Mm-hmm. Rule the world. Name six animals which live specifically in the Arctic. Two polar bears, four seals. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it said three seals, but they crossed out three and put in four. Yeah. Oh, God, I think. See, I think that stuff is absolutely fantastic. These are, oh, number one Hugh Jackman fan. Uh, the lightness or darkness of an object is called value. Uh, an enclosed area that has height and width is called a shape. Draw uh-huh. a shape, and they drew a circle. So that <laughs> is a shape. What is your favorite hue? They answered, Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hugh Jackman is my favorite hue. <laughs> they weren't specific. Uh, no, they were not. Uh, of course, it's spelled it. Although, the, that hue... Uh, head coach in the in the nfl his name is spelled h-u-e is it yeah it's no. not h-u-g-h it's h-u-e probably so. shouldn't be uh it says here no habla espanol use commands to tell your sister to do the following things and there is ir la cochina ser cuidadosa cuidadosa uh abrir el refrigerador and all they answered to every question was i don't have a sister <laughs> see little kids I, I know i'm wild about little kids the things that they say the things that they think the things that they do uh fill in the solutions okay get this done fill in the solutions uh directions read each one of the problems and come up with a solution for each one you fell on the playground and scratched your knee get up and deal with it <laughs> I love that kid. Now, that's a great that's kid. That's something that he's getting that from is probably his dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just oh, get yeah. up and shake it off. Shake it off. Come on. <laughs> oh, God, this cannot be good. Even a word describes school. In large block letters, it says, hell. <laughs> <laughs> See, the honesty of children. Yeah, I love it. I just, I really love the honesty of children. I'll just do one more. There are tons of them, but... Um, the difference between 180 and 158 <laughs> is 22. Okay, so that's good. Good job there. Explain how you found your answer in problem four, math. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's what they use. So I found the answer, math. That's well, how. Cassie and I were actually discussing that like a month ago. Oh, you were? Or sometimes they would say, show your work for things like that, simple subtraction. And it's like, so if you don't show your work then you lose points but i didn't have any work i just knew what the answer was so it's like it seems pointless to make you write out how you did it even though how you did it was just you subtracted a number from another number well especially now with common core math you need a notebook for one problem yeah common core is insane what is common core i don't even know anything about that it's a very very strange way of doing math basically extremely inefficient They'll take, like, if you want to take 127 plus, uh, you know, 43. Instead of just doing the regular arithmetic of adding. Yeah, 7 plus 3, know, carry the 1. Yeah. They, oh, yeah, okay, right. They'll show you 10 different ways to find the correct answer by breaking numbers oh, down. Oh, God. And, or doing them in blocks. You know why they do that? I don't know. It, because different cultures arrive at answers differently. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It's That's it's bizarre, and I. Well, if a culture can't add seven and three, then it's a bad culture. <laughs> I would have to agree with that. Yes. And my kids would come home with Common Core math homework, and I'm like, "This is elementary school math. I feel so stupid because I don't know what <laughs> what is going on yeah. here. This is so confusing." And my poor son, who's, uh, you know, he's autistic, and he's very linear, and he yeah, had so, yeah. so many problems in math because he's like. I don't get it, Mom. They're telling me all these different ways. I just want to do it one way. And I'm like, I... So I had to talk to his teacher. I said, just let him do it the way 
he can do it. Yeah, that's fine. Well, here we go. As long as he gets the answer. Common Core correct. 9 plus 6. It's So <laughs> you got 9 plus 6. So you take 1 away from the 6 and add it to the 9, so you get 10. And then you're left with 5, so it's 10 plus 5. And that's 15. Why can't you just do 9 plus 6? I don't know. Because you're they, dumb. And they have it oh, broken down in three separate sections. See, I couldn't do that. I could not deal with that. It's horrible. Well, we, we have many <laughs> ways to get to the solution. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Give, leave me alone. Get away from me. The you. path of least resistance is the easiest uh, one. There you okay. go. Path of least resistance. <laughs> and taking one from 6 and give, added it to the 9 to make 10, and then you have 5 left, so it's 15. The least resistance is six and nine or fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That works for me. There are some things I just don't get how it can even be yeah, broken I down. Know. It's I ridiculous. know. <laughs> like I don't know what's it's going like, on. It's well, like what if I don't understand what nine plus one is? Break that down for me. <laughs> okay, I want you guys to add this together. And by the way, by coincidence, the 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 numbers nine and six are in this story. Oh funny. Okay, mm-hmm. so by coincidence. You ready? A woman rescued last summer by the Oregon Coast Guard in Florence after a four-day disappearance has been charged with 96 felonies. That's a lot of felonies. (laughs) 96 felonies. You're going to prison forever, sister. (laughs) Heather May Mounts, M-O-U-N-C-E, I've never heard that name before. Mounts? Heather May Mounts. Uh, 28 is facing 62 counts of identity theft, 24 counts of criminal mistreatment, and 10 other charges filed last week in the Polk County Circuit Court. Mounts reportedly stole several thousands of dollars from the Dallas Retirement Village. 62 or, counts, and she only got a cup, like some thousands? Like, don't um, she steal $5 each time? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Several thousands of dollars. I don't know what that means. Yeah, if you commit 62 identity thefts, you would expect to get a little more than that. You would think so, yes. Uh, Mounts reportedly stole several thousands of dollars from the Dallas Retirement Village, Oregon Center for Nursing and Open Road Transportation, as well as the identity of an elderly and dependent man in her care, Anthony Emile Britt, according to the court doc. So you, you stole his identity? What the hell's wrong with you? I don't really understand that, but uh, that's just me. Uh, she is accused of using Brit's information with the intent to deceive or defraud, convert to defendant's own use, create, obtain, possess, transfer, and utter personal identification of multiple businesses such as Oregonian Media Group, Career Builder, Monster.com, Monster Worldwide, and Survey Monkey. The charges date back to September 2013 and continue until July 14th. She has been charged with 96 felonies. Wow. You're going to prison. <laughs> There's no picture of her, though. I don't see a picture of her. They're just showing them going down to rescue her from a mountaintop. So apparently she was trying to hide out, and that just <laughs> didn't work. Is that what happened there? I don't really... Uh, I don't know. I still don't understand this. Whole, oh, now Cassie heard this this morning, Andy. And <laughs> I was talking about um, this person or place tried to uh, steal my identity this morning. Mm-hmm. And they said that if I gave them their information, they could return to me HUD nerds of thousands of dollars. H U D N E R D S. HUD nerds. Seems legit. <laughs> so, yeah, it seems really legit that I'm going to get HUD nerds of thousands of dollars <laughs> if I just give you my social security number and my bank information and my name. I mean, that's not a big deal. Uh, HUD <laughs> nerds. nerds. <laughs> I could make HUD nerds of thousands of dollars, and I'm really grateful for that. So i just <laughs> like to point that out to everybody. I'm really grateful for the chance, but um, no, I'm good, if you know what I'm saying. This is a kind of a weird story. I haven't read this story yet, but this was not a pretty uh, separation. I do remember that. For weeks, reports have claimed that Matt Lauer and Annette Roke are close to finalizing a divorce settlement as she seeks to end their 19-year marriage. But as negotiations quietly continue, the disgraced Today Show veteran and the Dutch former model, she's Dutch. She doesn't look Dutch. Well, yeah. The, the Dutch women are usually good looking. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Uh, he uh, is a prick. Mm-hmm. I used to run into him uh, when we were on Christmas vacation. He'd be at a place called The Breakers. And I used to run into him. The guy is just an arrogant dick. 
But as negotiations quietly continue, the disgrace today's show veteran and the Dutch former model are keeping things civil. If a recent outing is any indication, Page Six reports that sources recently saw Matt, 60, and Annette, 51, who both attempted to keep a low profile in the wake of his firing by NBC last November for sexual misconduct in the workplace. Here's a guy... Now, I've seen this before, like in general managers' offices, they push a button and the door closes. Mm -hmm. He had one of those at his desk, but not only did it, uh, he pushed the button and the door closed, he pushed another button and the door would lock behind you. Yeah, that's... I'm not good with that at all. Got to be honest with you, I'm not comfortable with you locking the door behind me. Uh, In any case... Uh, they were uh, hanging out, uh, having dinner with a group of people at Serafina in East Hampton, a New York, a sceny Italian restaurant in the posh Long Island enclave. I thought he was one of the owners of Serafina. Maybe, I don't know, I, that's what I thought anyway. But Matt and Annette, page six reports, kept their distance at their outside table. Matt's wife sat at the head of the table, and he sat a few seats away from her, a source told page six. They were eating with a group that included Edward Burke, Jr., He's a Hamptons power lawyer. His wife, another couple, around 10 kids, including their own. The New York Post's uh, gossip column explains. Well, that explains the whole thing, that they wish for their children to be happy and not think that their mom and dad hate one another. Mm -hmm. You would go have dinner with them. Why are they questioning this at all? I don't know. A lot of, especially divorced couples or estranged couples, if they need to discuss something, a lot of times they feel more comfortable doing it in a public place. I would think so. And I think that, to tell you the truth, if O.J. and the old lady had gotten together and had a little dinner, you might not have beheaded her. <laughs> I still cannot believe that he got away with uh, that. It's still, I'm still baffled by that case. He got away with beheading two people, basically. Their heads almost came off. Yeah, it, I've seen the autopsy photos uh, of Nicole. It oh, was really? Brutal. Really? Yeah. I have not seen those. I'm, I'm here to tell you I'm glad I have not seen those. But does she look Dutch to you? She doesn't look Dutch to me. She looks kind of like... She looks German. Yeah, German. That's a good point. She's only saying that because she looks like she'd like to round people up. and (laughs) She does. She looks very mean, actually. Doesn't she in that picture? He's a jerk, so maybe she's mean and he's a jerk. She's got a stern look to her, that's for sure. Ooh, we've got a great story to kick off next hour. 20 lottery winners who lost every penny. Oh. Oh, no. That's very common. I guess yeah. for for lottery winners to to lose every penny of uh, of their lottery winnings, I don't know. Well, I'll, we'll find out. We'll be back in just a, a couple of minutes, and we'll find out what happened. That these people would lose every penny they made by winning the lottery. Well, they didn't make it, but they won it in the lottery. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. <laughs> 